On today's podcast, we have a special guest, Joe Peters, who, in my opinion, is one of the, if not the most knowledgeable person when it comes to real estate and his understanding of the national market, the state market, and the local market. So I'm happy and thrilled that we have Joe available and he's agreed to be our guest today. So folks, please stay with us. You're gonna learn a lot about real estate today. Money Matters USA with Fred Sage. And you also need to work with your advisor to create multiple income streams. You're at the right place for information every week regarding all the components of a successful retirement plan. Asset allocation is really a driving force for how much your accounts are going to grow. Fred Sade is a financial fiduciary and retirement specialist. I have to put the client's interest ahead of my own pocketbook at, at all times. I must be able to justify why I'm making the recommendations. Money Matters USA with Fred Sade. Welcome once again to the podcast Money Matters USA. Thanks so much for coming along on this journey where we normally talk retirement. A little bit of a, a different twist today. Fred Sade, of course, is the founder and managing director of the fiduciary firm Money Matters USA. Uh, holds a PhD in economics from Duke University and is a retirement strategist. But Fred, we have uh, an honor. We have an, an honored special guest on the podcast today and a little bit different topic. Yeah, we're going to talk about real estate. Everybody knows that the Federal Reserve has been designated to do something about uh, inflation. And obviously, uh, their method of choice is to raise interest rates. So the question is, are you going to raise them to levels that just crush the economy? And will we be sitting here in a deflationary, stagflationary economy? Well, who knows? So I'm really glad that uh, Joe Peters was uh, available and willing to come on with us uh, today so that he can talk about real estate, obviously the relationship between interest rates and and uh, and real estate. So, Joe, I'm going to be quiet now and let you take over. Well, great. Thank you, Fred. It's uh, always a pleasure to be on the same channel with you. Um, my background is sort of technology-based. I was with several large retailers, such as Macy's and Allied Stores in the New York City locations, and then got into the sales side of the same business and sold software to IT people in retail. And then uh, got too many gray hairs to do it as I sort of started to look like a senior and transitioned over to real estate where I've always had a passion as an investor and working with people. So what I do today is I take my people skills, my organization, my technical and my interest level skills, and I help people solve their real estate problems, be it a buyer or a seller, or sometimes we buy and sell. And my focus, because you can't be um, an expert in everything, is residential real estate across both Hunterdon and Somerset County. Hunterdon County is about a little over an hour out of New York City, and Somerset County is about 15 minutes closer, depending where you are. But both of those time frames depend on traffic level. And if anybody's ever lived in New York City area, you know there's always traffic somewhere. Yeah, um, for so, sure. 
That's for sure. It's just part of life here. So what I try to do is help people to understand what's happening in the market today. And if you really look at it at a macro level, a level above what the government is trying to do, which I'm not sure is right or wrong, you'll have to judge for yourself as a listener. But what is happening is the average age in the United States and the world, by the way, is getting older. And the average spending time for people is somewhere between your 25th and 55th birthday. The, the average person buys a house in his or, his or her early 30s, and then they'll trade about every eight to 10 years. And eventually, uh, somewhere in their late 50s, will probably right size and get into something they're going to sit in for the rest of their life. So what we're seeing is we have less people under 25 because of lots of reasons. We're calling it the, the population implosion. And we're having more people over 55, which is because the aging of America is happening and people are lasting longer. Um, good examples are people like myself and yourself are working long after their 70th birthday and still being mm -hmm. productive and, as a matter of fact, sought after because we have one thing that people don't have that are a lot younger, and that's lots of experience uh, in human nature or in this fields that we're in. But yeah. now you got the government coming along and, and trying to curb inflation by raising interest rates. I think they're, it, it didn't seem like they knew what they were doing when they ignored the situation for 15 to 18 months, and now they're accelerating mm -hmm. the fix, and it doesn't seem like it's working. So I'm not so sure if it isn't more of the same. And that sounds political, but I think it's also pretty actual. Mm -hmm. um, the effect of raising interest rates, every time you go up 1%, say you went from 3%, which is where we were around the beginning of the year, to 4%, makes you lose 9% of your buying power. So if at 3%, you could order forward a $500,000 house, at 4%, 9% less, you can only afford a $455,000 house. And at 5%, it's a $410,000, something somewhere in those numbers. So what we're seeing right now is because it didn't merely go from three to four, three to five, it went from three to seven plus. We're seeing the first time buyers have to make twenty-five to $35,000 more just to qualify for the mortgage on a $425,000 house, which is our average price in central New Jersey. And they just can't. They were probably stretching it a little at the uh, 3% rate and now at the 7 plus percent rate and probably going to go higher the way things look. They're priced out and they're, they're going into rentals. And as a result, rentals are going up. And in central New Jersey, for two reasons, one is um, a lot of jurisdiction on where you can build and what you can build. And secondly, the cost of land all the cheap land has been built on is the bottom line. Um, we're not building a lot of new housing. What we're building a lot of new of is rentals because that's where people are going into rentals. But if you were a trade up buyer or trade sideways, I mean, once again, let's say you're 55 years old, the three kids are gone off to college. They're probably not coming back except for a weekend or a summer stay. And 
you and a wife are sitting in this four or five bedroom center hall colonial on three acres and saying, what the hell are we doing here? We could right. be much more comfortable in a townhouse where they do all the work outside. Probably would be less money, less square foot, but um, we'd have more disposable time and money to do the things that we want, like travel and, and maybe uh, get involved locally in charity and things. So those people would typically put their $700,000 house on the market and go and buy maybe an equal price, but a, a more customized to today's needs living quarters, could be a townhouse, could be a smaller ranch, could be a 55 plus community, but they're not because they have a three and a half percent mortgage on their 700,000 and it's gonna cost them to, seven and a half percent maybe to get a mortgage today and the interest difference between three percent and seven percent on a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar mortgage is fifteen hundred dollars a month so as a result they're saying i'm confused i'm not doing anything until this clears up so i think the government has done a really good job of stymieing stymieing the first time buyer and confusing the trade up, trade sideways, trade down buyer to the extent that we're not selling a lot of real estate compared to a year ago. But if you consider last year was an abnormal year anyway, things were on fire, things are selling above asking as soon as they came on the market. Today, we're still sitting with one and a half months worth of inventory in Somerset County and two months in Hunterdon County. So it's still a seller's market. There's many, many more buyers than there are sellers. Um, and when that happens, prices go up or at least they're not going down. So what we're starting to see is um, less activity at open houses, less multiple offers above asking, less people from New York moving west with their New York salaries, which was causing the latter two to happen. And the market is sort of correcting itself. So the second global factor that we're sitting here looking at is that two years ago, we had a 12% increase in real estate rates as far as values. Last year, we had an 18% increase in values. And this year, we're probably going to peak at a 5 or 6% because it did slow down. And it's slowing down at the higher levels first. If we look at all the dollar values, and I do break it down on my newsletter, um, mm -hmm. which is available at jpeters.com, um, you'll see that we're sitting with two months of inventory to get to about $900,000 in value in Somerset County. And then it goes to six and over a million, it goes to eight or nine. And that's normal because it's changing then from a seller's market to a buyer's market. And anytime you have a buyer's market, well, then you've got pressure on prices. Prices are starting to come down. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a slowing of the market. But on a truly global level, the problem is the price. The price is today 9.7 times the disposable income level on average. Wow. And the price is normally, for the last 30, 40 years, around 8.1%. So we're sitting at about 25% more, the difference between 9.7 and 8.1% price appreciation and we've had wage appreciation. 
So in my humble opinion, and this is based on listening to other people who know a lot more about the subject than I, two things are going to happen over the next 24 months. Number one, because we're close to New York, we're probably going to average 5% increase in salary. So that'll solve half of the 23, 24, 25%. The other half will get resolved as prices start to pull back from the top down. And that's already happening. We're, we're definitely seeing price. I'm looking for the right word, but price, it's, the prices are challenged on the over $900,000 inventory. So it's natural. This, this phenomenon happens. It doesn't mean we're going to go back to like 2008. Absolutely not. Based on what I just said, most people have 40 to 50% more equity than they had two and a half years ago, three years ago. So there's lots of equity. We gained 60,000 in equity on the average home in New Jersey in the last year. But we're also not seeing the people who are confused moving around the way they used to. The New York buyers aren't over here anymore with their extra money. They, New York always pays more than New Jersey. And the closer you get to New York, the more you're going to make than New Jersey. So people gravitate in towards the east in the morning and to the west in the evening. We call that traffic. That's the way the world has always worked. But COVID has changed it all. Many people have found that they can now work from home with their skills and their education and only go into work occasionally, if at all. While some people don't fit that bill from two different aspects. One aspect is emergency people, like the people who drive the ambulances, doctors in hospitals, lawyers in court, uh, can't work from home. Although the court system seems to be finding a break-even point on that. So there are some skilled professionals who still have to be somewhere in order to work rather than home. But the people who, what we call our under 40% of our economy, the ALICE people, it stands for Asset Limited, AL, Income constrained means they probably don't earn more than 20, 25,000 a year, but employed. These are the people that are pumping your gas, people that are ringing your groceries, people are uh, doing more uneducated tasks around the state. And they, in effect, have to go to work. So what the government has done is they've come along and given some incentive not to go to work if you're under $50,000. And quite honestly, it's working. We have a lot of people who have discovered how to live on what the government's feeding them. It's sort of added to the inflation problem. And it's also added to the fact that we don't have enough employees. We have two jobs for every one employee. And that's not only at the national level in New Jersey. It might be even a little higher because it's a very competitive labor market. So on a very high level, that's what's happening. The market is starting to slow down to adjust itself and... The, at the lower end, it's still on fire, but prices aren't going up the way they were. They're just holding their own. I think as time goes on over 24 months, you'll see the $900,000 price drop be down in the seven, sixes, fives, and the market will adjust down a little bit. Probably going to see very little of any appreciation over the next two years, but we're also not going to see much depreciation. So, It'll help adjust things back to a normal level. And a normal level is four to six months worth of inventory. So how do you discover what a 
month of inventory is. If you have 10 houses for sale in a market, market could be a development or a town or a county, but whatever you define a market, 10 for sale and two sold, that means you divide one into the other, you have five months worth of inventory. That's normal. But when you have 10 for sale and eight sold, that means you have under two months worth of inventory, which is where we're at at the low end and prices are holding, maybe even going up a little. And then when you get over six months, just the opposite happens. When you have 10 for sale and only one sold, well, now you have 10 months worth of inventory. And now there's pressure on prices. Prices aren't coming in as high as what the asking was. And like in many of the government functions, we look backwards and try to judge what's going to happen in the future. And it's not the best way to do it, but it's the only way we have. So we say, okay, if that house sold last year and prices haven't dropped in this price point, we probably can get that same price point, maybe a dollar or two more, a dollar or two less. But that's the target. And we put it up on the market. And to date, the under 800,000 in our two counties has still remained a very viable seller market at, at 1.5 per month supply in Somerset County and about 2.1 per month supply in Hunterdon County. I have a question. Um, some of the private equity firms have been, uh, as a focus area, have been buying up uh, real estate and uh, have accumulated some very substantial uh, numbers of single or duplex uh, residents. Are you finding that that's a challenge? Uh, it is. Yeah. Um, Zillow themselves was doing this till they decided it wasn't a good business model in this economy. And the scary part is when a private equity firm buys a single family house, that house isn't coming back on the market. Yeah. It's going to be kept as a investment property. I have a yeah. lot of investors right now looking at single families, and that's what's keeping some of the single family business perking along. So yeah, it is having that effect. It's, it's taking more inventory out of the market. So if you think about it, and you look at let's Somerset County, which is where this broadcast is located, um, podcast is located, the average house we build in Somerset County is a one-off. We don't have many developments going up, and it's probably over a million dollars. But the average buyer would like to buy something under $400,000. So we have a total mismatch of supply and demand. And what the, the new house for a million is hurting really is the existing houses that are seven, 800000 because for a little bit more, the people can have brand new and they don't have to update. I noticed that uh, there are people who lived in Bergen and Passaic counties, and they, they bought uh, very substantial houses in Hunterdon County. Is, is Hunterdon um, County challenged in terms of, of, uh, of housing and in its own economic development by a lack of affordable housing, or am I misreading that situation? Well, there is a statewide program of affordable housing going on, which means that every time you put up some sort of a development, it either has to be totally or partially affordable housing, which means that people, it's income-constrained housing, usually only has one bathroom if it's brand mm -hmm. new, and it probably is a two-bedroom, and it, in effect, um, 
there's a lot of new being built right there for affordable housing. But Huntington County, in contrast to Somerset County, is much more rural, and that brings its own set of problems. One problem is there's no transportation out here mm-hmm. if you don't have a car. So even the people in affordable housing a lot of times are dependent upon mass transportation to get to work. And as a result of that, they can't afford to live out here even though it's affordable housing. The other thing is and is 20% on average cheaper than Somerset County, and you're probably going to get twice the amount of land for that price. Same house, twice the amount of land. Um, that attracts people because if you don't have to go to New York anymore, or you only have to go once or twice a week, well, I could live anywhere I want in the state and still get into New York. Every challenge we have infrastructure-wise in Hunterdon County is broadband. And they're in the process of, they just passed a big bill to put higher speed uh, broadband in. But I, I have a fellow who's uh, PhD from Rutgers who uh, talks to me on the show once in a while. And he tells me that even though he's living the life of Riley in suburban Hunterdon County, he doesn't have high-speed internet because the connection at the street is still copper and that slows the whole process mm-hmm. down, even mm-hmm. though it's fast out on the main drag. So they're trying to resolve that point so it brings more people out. But yeah, I, I think the very reason I moved to Hunterdon County um, the, the people say, what's the difference between Hunterdon County and Somerset County? I said, if you want to see horses and cows on the way home, you want Hunterdon <laughs> County. If you want just a nice place to live, Somerset County will do, but there's a lot less elbow room. Once again, Hunterdon will give you about twice minimally the, the square footage and lot size. Yeah, um, I was I was looking at your... Um, most recent uh, newsletter, and I, I read these very carefully. What do you what do you attribute the um, hot market in in Bridgewater? I, I was taken aback by by uh, the amount of activity that's occurring in in Bridgewater Township. Well, Bridgewater has a low tax rate of all because it's built around several huge malls like Bridgewater Mall. Uh And as a result, the taxes are a little cheaper on Bridgewater. And secondly, it's got a large Asian population and a couple of temples that supports that. And that attracts people in on its own. Um, I know when I'm selling a house in a Bridgewater area, I start at the temples with my signs and lead them to the house on Sunday for open houses because it's... It's just a matter of fact that you're probably, why why are people moving in from that background? Well, one of the things we have is huge pharma employment. And pharma employment is battling the same thing as lack of eligible employees. And a lot of them are keeping up by immigration into the area from other countries. And that's leading to what we're finding. People that will work in those jobs are a lot of times coming into the country and taking the job. I can't say that's a total majority of it, but it's a very strong contributing factor. Huh. That's that's very interesting. I never thought about it. Uh, you know, yeah, in, I mean, think about it. You're world. driving out of New York and you go past Newark Airport on 78, and now... 
about 30 miles out, you get to Wachung. Well, Wachung is the first town in Hunterdon County. And it's a little old before it that's getting nicer. But Wachung is like, wow. You get off the road to get a coffee and use the restroom and say, <laughs> I could live here. This is yeah. nice. I think I'm in heaven. Well, it keeps getting nicer and nicer and nicer as you go west. But you keep getting further and further and further from New York. So if you've got to go back, well, then it may not make sense to live out there that far. But Somerset County is the first nice place to go. But now you go another five miles, 10 miles, and you're in the Tewksbury section. You literally right. gone from Wachung, right. which is exit 40, to 24. So maybe you've gone 15 miles. And now you're into Hunterdon County, Tewksbury. Minimum building lot is 15 acres because they don't want you to build in Tewksbury. Wow. And secondly, just about everybody's got a horse or two on their property. And so you've sure. not gone from heaven. You've gone from heaven to two heavens. <laughs> but getting back to New York is damn near impossible, even on a good day. It probably takes anywhere from an hour and a half up to get into New York. So as a result, when people who move out here and try it on a Saturday or a Sunday, we have people go all the way to Pennsylvania. I mean, if we're exit 24, we're still 24 miles from Pennsylvania. Right. Don't go all the way to Pennsylvania on a Sunday and say, wow, this is real. I get everything I've got in Hunterdon County. It's cheaper yet. Well, you got to drive it on a Monday to understand what the traffic patterns are. Once yeah. again, that yeah. stuff in the morning that goes east and in the evening goes west, we call traffic. And it's a determining factor. And people will even drive it on a cloudy day and not get the impression. And we have a tremendous sun glare problem in the morning which probably could add yeah. a half hour to your average commute versus a cloudy yeah. day. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but it keeps getting nicer and nicer. It keeps getting cheaper and cheaper, and it keeps getting further and further away from New York. So if you've got to go back to New York, it's probably not the right choice. You're going to pay it back a little each day, and you're not going to save anything over time, and probably not be a happy camper commuting up to two hours each way, but people do it. Yeah, they, I think they, again they, in New yeah. York, you probably traveled almost an hour door to door on the subway. Yeah. So it becomes an incremental move, and people look at the increment and say, "I travel another fifteen minutes to thirty minutes each way to live in an environment and be able to raise the kids in the school system like we've got out here." It's it's a great place to live, but if. I, I did leadership hunting in 2016, and in 2016, only 5% of our people were commuting to New York City. So that That's tells right. you it's not an easy, an easy commute. Um, if you looked at Somerset County, it didn't double, but it was high, much higher because it was much closer. The conversation on real estate between Fred Sade and Joe Peters continues on Money Matters USA. Are you losing sleep over market volatility affecting your hard-earned retirement savings? You can't afford to lose a big portion of your nest egg with not enough time to recover. Many people want safety and the guarantee of principle, but also prefer the potential of higher growth with the market. And now you can have both. Call Fred Sade at Money Matters USA at 800-593-8188. That's 800-593-8188. 
Yes, wherever you are, you can talk retirement strategies with Fred Sade and also be sure to visit the website moneymattersusa.net. Let's get back into the conversation between Fred Sade and Joe Peters. It's on real estate today. I, I, I remember when uh, there was um, some years ago when uh, people started relocating to Pennsylvania in order to get the benefit of, of lower taxes. Uh, New Jersey Transit had a plan to, to build uh, out the, um, the, the rail infrastructure uh, in order to transport people, and then people instead just moved their businesses and, and didn't want to commute. I've been on 78 early in the morning going to Pennsylvania, and that is stop and go traffic. I mean, as bad right. as anything that you can that you can see. I'm just wondering, uh, just as a thought, I, I, I know that there is, uh, in, in many of the localities, there's an opposition to building or converting to further warehousing, uh, the argument being that, well, you're going to have these monster trucks there, it's going to go through residential neighborhoods, it's going to be very dangerous, and then the local uh, towns and townships uh, want to uh, prohibit uh, further construction or reconstruction or reconfiguring of, of older buildings uh, into uh, warehousing. And I know that there was conversation about uh, possibly doing something legislatively uh, out, of, out of Trenton. Um, does that does that um, you know have have an impact uh, or is this too early to tell? Well, there's been a it started a long time ago. That first bridge that you cross when you come out of New York on the train, which is just outside the Lincoln Tunnel by about two or three miles, it's probably in the town of Secaucus. And it's called the Portal Bridge. That yeah. bridge is over a hundred years old. That bridge literally breaks at least once every more often than it should. And mm -hmm. as a result, it screws up. There's one track either way into New York. Right. So right. we call it one seat rides into New York. What you really <laughs> want is to get on a train and get to New York without getting out of your seat. But today, you cannot do it when you're further out. You have to go to Newark and change trains, or at least in Newark, you have to go across the platform and there's a, an express into New York. I did this for 23 years. So I know what I'm talking about. You would typically leave. I, I lived near South Amboy train station. I'd catch the 717 in the morning into New York, and I'd catch the 655 out of New York because if you went during rush hour, it was a mob scene. So you were gone from home almost 12 hours a day. Yeah. People yeah. don't want to do that in today's environment. They're thinking more of, I want to live more suburban. And as a result, we're starting to see the repurpose of office space to be closer to them when they're living suburbanly. And quite honestly, I think you're going to find the work following the people that you see places like there's a Bridgewater Industrial Park, there's one being proposed or put together here in Hunterdon, where they're going to bring work to the area where people can work locally. And in effect, they're going to repurpose the open space like some of the old factories. There was a Merck, Merck is the Hunterdon County factory. 
that's being repurposed. It's, there's mm. like a million square feet of which they're probably using 10 or 20% right now. But the company that bought it wants to turn it into a high-tech industrial park like Bridgewater already has done in Somerset County, which is right on 287. Yeah. So we're starting to see, and I'm on the tourism counties of both boards, and I'm on a couple of other boards where we share people that are on other committees, and we're starting to see where we were 40% industrial park vacant in Hunterdon County. We're totally sold out because we're seeing more and more repurposing of industrial parks uh, and even retail space to be the last mile for Amazon in some instances. And that's probably not a good example. I shouldn't mention them by name, but retailers will... The most expensive thing for a retailer to do is to deliver the package that last mile. They used to have the post office doing it. Now Amazon's got its own trucks. But if they could get you like Walmart tries to do, to drive up to the store and pick it up, that saves them half of whatever their gross margin is. Sure. But people don't want to drive up to Walmart and pick it up because they're spoiled. I mean, I order a $3 item and it comes on Sunday now. It's right. like, okay, maybe you could have made it $2 and delivered it on Monday. I didn't need it that fast. But people are spoiled by that. Yep. So we're seeing a lot of repurposing of industrial space. As I said, I do residential, but there's comp- people in my company that do nothing but commercial. And it's the, the market's on fire. The other thing is you get a lot of new hotels. Both chambers of commerce are bringing industry into the area. That is amazing. I mean, we're a bustling bedroom community for New York. Now, people says, what does that mean? I mean, most of the people go somewhere else to work and bring the money back here. And it's sort of good for the back here part of it because that's where the money gets spent for the big part. But it's also a detriment because it causes traffic and to a great extent, some people can't afford to move into it because it's a little more expensive to commute than they've been doing or a different commuting experience than they're used to. Um, well, if you get to Southern Hunterdon County, well, for, first of all, Clinton is, if you look at Hunterdon County versus Somerset County, and the same thing happens in both, there are areas people would prefer to live in Hunterdon County, which would be Clinton, Clinton Township, Raritan, and Reddington. Those four of the 23 or 24 municipalities do 58% of all of our home sales. And when you go into Somerset County, it's Franklin, which surrounds New Brunswick. It's mm-hmm. the the Somerset County areas of Bridgewater, um, the Hills, which is Bernard's, Bernardsville, um, yeah. and then Warren Watchung. That's where the people want to live in Somerset County. but what happens is it's much more expensive to live there than in Hunterdon County. So sure. people judge based on A, what they want out of their lifestyle, and B, what they can afford to do, both from money and time. Yeah, I mean, with, with, uh, as long, you know, with the um, improvement in technology that, that, you're, that you're mentioning, and assuming that people don't have to use... Um, Satellite technology, which uh, ten, which for internet is is slower than uh, than fiber optic. But if if you can do that and only have to go in uh, and see people face to face occasionally, or if you can bring the work to you where you live, as opposed to having to go to work, 
uh, then it makes an, an enormous uh, difference. And if you can eliminate the, the productive time lost in commuting and the number of right. uh, traffic zones that you have to, that you have to uh, go across, it, it, is, it is maddening uh, the, the amount of traffic and assuming that anything can happen on any given day, you can you can be sitting in traffic uh, for a couple of hours. Uh, uh, Absolutely, uh, Fred. I, I encountered a situation. I'm in a group called Hack Hunted, and we're repurposing the name because hack has a connotation to it. But it just means the technical guys in Hunterdon County. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy who did a presentation before COVID about his company. He had a virtual company. He had 42 people. He was making somewhere in the $15 million gross. Every one of those people worked remotely, took a different kind of person, and it took a different kind of environment. Everybody that was brought in was brought in on a 30-day trial because it doesn't work for everybody. But he had a virtual company before COVID started. And I bumped into him again because the group is reorganizing and chatted with him. He now has sold it and is moving on to his next venture. And I'd say the guy's in his mid-30s. And he had a $15 million company of 42 people of everybody being remote. And once every six to eight weeks, they'd have a weekend together to get the culture going. So the culture has to happen. And sometimes the culture only happens when you're face-to-face because you get to understand the other person a little bit better. You're not It's not the same experience as when you're working um Remotely, And I'll give you a good example because I told him about it. And he says exactly why we do it. I was with Allied Stores in New York City. We were on 42nd Street in the Grace Building. And we ran IT for uh, a fairly large organization that got eventually bought by Macy's Federated, which turned its name into Macy's. (laughs) And three or four of us are in a hallway. And it's one of those you're sort of sketching something in the dust on a wall saying, here's what we need. And the boss walks through and he does one of these over the glass looks at, okay, what's going on? These four salaries could pay for the national debt if I had to do it. And we said, well, we just invented something that we think is needed. And we can, in effect, probably have it up and running if we develop it um, in eight months. So he said, I like the idea. He said, look at it this way. You guys aren't the smartest people in the world, and you'd be the first to admit it or wouldn't have you working for me. Go out and find it and buy it. (laughs) That's culture. And that doesn't happen overnight. We went out and bought it and had it up and running in 30 days. And it was much better than we'd have ever developed it. So you you need that. And you, you get the hub is a club kind of a thing. So let's say you get 10 or 12 people in a certain area. Maybe you have a, a meeting once a week in that area. They don't go all the way back to New York. Maybe there's high-speed communications to wherever they're talking to. But you still get people together. You you can't replace culture with remoteness. No, you're, you're, ab- you're absolutely right. And the other thing that I have seen uh, and heard, I've seen it in the papers and I've heard it uh, on the radio, even satellite radio, is uh, the co-working space. And I, it, was just, um, it was just on the highway the other day um, going to some meetings and then last night coming back from the golf course 
uh, I saw signs up for uh, converting uh, uh, old office space into co-working space, and I think that's the same kind of idea. If people can, right. uh, you know, go in there once in a while or whatever. You know, it, it reminds me some years ago. If you recall, IBM had that original thought uh, where they took offices away from salespeople, and then and then they had these what they call drop-in locations uh, where you could have a desk and a telephone, and you right. could come in there in between appointments and and then get out. And I I, I always thought of that as the genesis of of, of uh, the co-working idea. Uh, maybe I'm overstating it, but I, I can't remember anybody doing that before IBM, and then Xerox also uh, did that uh, for, for a while. Uh, oh, I, this is really fascinating stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, worked, I worked back in the late 90s, 99, 2000, for a large technical company, and their office space was up in the Mars Plains area. And when you went up the Morris Plains, we probably had three, 400 people working at that office, but there were only 40 desks. And you went in, <laughs> you signed in, all your stuff came to the monitor on that desk. You had a lockable lateral file where you can keep your, your, your stuff. And it was called hoteling back then. Oh, and yes, yes, yes. Right. It was hoteling because you really didn't need a desk for everybody. But in effect... They got into this in the late 2015-2020 with, with what you just described a little bit too, where you might have 28 different companies each renting one desk each, and they had their own private desk, cubicle, not a cubicle, but a cubbyhole kind of thing. Yeah. They got creamed with uh, COVID because you couldn't get together for two years for one reason or another. Right. So a lot of that went under, but it's not a wrong thought. It just was a thought that was at the wrong place in time. And I think what you're saying is correct that, you know, you don't have to work for the same company to have a culture. You could have a culture with the people that you're sharing office space with. And a lot of times that will bring you over business. Somebody said, wow, you're doing that. I know somebody who's needing that. And so it works. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, I look, I um, you know, get contacted um, fairly regularly by, by uh, people doing retained search. Would I be interested? You know, the job is always in Manhattan, and, and my and my you know my always automatic answer is no. no. <laughs> I'm not going back to Manhattan again. But you also see quite a bit of these uh, fractional. Uh, jobs and right. it, it's not it's not just in in accounting uh, any longer it's fractional ceo fractional coo yep. fractional cio so on and so forth and you know and that, i i thought that's a bit of a head scratcher i can see why you'd want a a, a fractional cfo but why but it's really amazing uh, to me, uh, that uh, they're they're willing they're willing to have people on a part time basis, uh, on a contract basis, part time, uh, in in leadership uh, roles for for direction, and that's I suppose that's a cheap way of buying experience and and expertise uh, rather than putting somebody on the 
on the payroll. Right. And, and it, you hit the nail on the head. You can buy somebody much more experienced for two hours a week than you can for 40 hours a week because it's too expensive to hire. Yeah. So, so you're, you know, maybe for 40 right. hours a week, you'd be paying that kind of skill, 150, 200,000. For two hours a week, you're paying them 10,000 a month on retainers. And, and and he's on call when you got a problem, and the problem's resolved. You've got world class experience lending yeah. itself to your problems. Yeah, you you do. You do. Uh, one of my clients um, was able to find uh, was able to find work uh, with a closely held firm, but he came out of a Fortune 500, and he said to me, "You know, uh, I was willing initially. I thought I would do fractional work." But then he said, I got so annoyed. He said, so I'm, I'm having interviews, or what I think are interviews, with smaller companies. And all they're trying to do is is, is pump me for information. He said, right. so I said to a number of them, look, if you want me to come in here and you want to do a debrief, then, I, then I'm going to charge you a consulting fee. He said, You're amazed. I was amazed how fast the interviews you know, ended, but he he's he was fortunate. He he landed on his feet on on a subsidiary of a, of a French company, uh, the closely held in in France, and the subsidiary here obviously is closely held. But uh, he was able he he is able to um, they they hired him for his knowledge, for his talents, for his for his con, for his contacts, and he's he's got a a very nice uh, contract and. Uh, you know, it uh, and if things go go sideways, uh, he has he has a he has a buyout uh, that would uh, then be be triggered. So either either way it goes. Uh, I mean, obviously, he would like to work the contract out. It gives him it, it gives him mental stimulation that he'd be challenged right. in, in any other in any other well, situation. The the other thing I never finished. You had asked me about the one seat commute into New York, which is what yeah. I named it. Um, they're underway building a new tunnel to get into New York. The old tunnels are 100 years old, so you can imagine what kind of shape they're in. But it's like the, the waterway that brings the water into New York City. They should rip it apart, build it new, but it's all underground, and if we ever stop the water from going through, it's all going to concave in on us, so we keep it going. And the tunnels are this way, so they're supposedly going to put a new tunnel into New York, but I'll mention a town that I've seen do something fantastic, and that is Somerville, New Jersey. If you go into Somerville, which is the county seat of Somerset County, you have at least eight or 800 to 1,200 new two-room apartments going up, rentals only. There's a few you could purchase, but most of it is rental only. And yeah. they have medium fast because it's the last local stop going into New York. So you'd hit yeah, New York and yeah. then New York. Yeah, yeah. And what it has become is the Jersey City and Hoboken to the West. People have left the elements that they don't like over there and moved more into the country. And what happens is it becomes a jump off point. People live out here for two or three years and then buy a house in a Bridgewater or even Somerville area and stay. And it's uh, it's a, it, the mayor of Somerville walked me around and showed it to me. And he said, we call them walking wallets. He says, we have proven that the people live within walking distance, come downtown and eat breakfast, lunch or supper 28 times a week. Joe, 
some takeaways. If you had to boil it down to three or four, uh, five takeaways, what would that what would that be that, that you want the listeners to walk away with? Well, the first one would be the market is changing. We've had an insane market for two years and it's slowing down. And it's like you were doing 85, now you're only doing 65, but it feels like you're going slow. You're not, you're getting back the normal. It's not going to be a crash. It's a slowdown to a nor- normal place. Secondly, is there is still a v- real estate available. It's a great time to put your house on the market because we're probably not going to, we're, we're, we have a lot of money chasing a few houses and that's what, Somerville, Somerset County is right now, even Hunterdon County. So it's a great time, and we're probably not going to see the prices we have today again for the next two years. We might pull back just a little or at least not go up for a while while the market readjusts. And then thirdly, you need expertise. You need somebody who's more than a linoleum salesman, somebody who understands (laughs) the counties, somebody who's gone through the county leadership programs and and talks to the mayors of the various towns can help you navigate through this i sat in a, in a place in warren yesterday and uh it was watching actually and the woman said well my agent's from i forget where but somewhere near new york city she said she doesn't even know where this area is i said so why would you buy a house through her you yeah. need expertise here just the way you need expertise there people can't be so you need to find somebody of local expertise and that's where i fill in Uh, my name once again joe peters Uh, my site is jpeters.com you can find my newsletters you can find posts and some of my podcasts and if you need to reach out and touch me 908 304-4660 leave a call or text i'd be more than happy to talk to you yeah repeat your phone number again 908-304-4660. 908-304-4660. Hey, this has been terrific uh, having Joe as, as a guest. Uh, the encyclopedic knowledge is, is astonishing. I mean, this has been a learning experience uh, for me, and uh, I trust the same for the listeners. Joe, thank you so much for making yourself available to share so much of yourself and your information uh, with the listeners. Thank you, Fred. I appreciate being on, and hopefully we can uh, reciprocate and do it again in some period of time. Absolutely. And thanks so much for joining us. Of course, these podcasts drop every Friday, so stay along with us for the podcast Money Matters USA. Investment advisory services offered through Money Matters USA, LLC. Fred Sade and his guests provide general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and are not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to the securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Money Matters USA, LLC. By contacting Money Matters USA, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.